this piece starts in C major. A key of hope, love, honesty. It's a pure, pure key. It's simply taken as that. I believe it, and I want to believe it. Welcome to the Glyndebourne Podcast. I'm Katie Derham. In this podcast, we're exploring Mozart's opera about the power of forgiveness, La Clemenza di Tito, the clemency of Titus. Rome in the year 79 AD. Vitalia, daughter of the former emperor Vitalius, seeks revenge upon the current emperor, Tito, whose father deposed her father. But her murderous plot will ultimately reveal Tito's greatest virtue, clemency. La Clemenza di Tito was Mozart's final opera, written in 1791, the year of his death. He was commissioned to write a work celebrating the coronation of Leopold II, the Holy Roman Emperor, as King of Bohemia. So it was only fitting that he was given a tale which was a meditation on the nature of leadership. Hello, I'm Robin Ticciati. I'm the music director of Glyndebourne Festival Opera. I see something that's very vertical, that's noble, that's like Grecian pillars. What's interesting is even in the third bar, the dotted rhythm of vum, bum, 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 beam, you hear also war. You hear fighting, you hear tension, and then the story can unfold, and Mozart encapsulates so much of what is to come in this opera in the first few bars. Vitalia pressures Sesto to carry out her murderous revenge against Tito because he wishes to make another woman his empress instead of her. Sesto, though a male character, is sung by a woman in a trouser roll. Sesto is torn between his love for Vitalia and his loyalty to his dear friend Tito. Ultimately, though, Sesto is unable to refuse Vitalia's plea for him to kill Tito. As he agrees to commit the act, he sings one of the opera's most beautiful arias, Parto Parto. Glyndebourne dramaturg, Corey Ellison. This is not something that he decides upon lightly, but his love for Vitalia does prevail in that moment. And he says to her in the aria, okay, I will go, um, I'll, you know, basically I'll do anything to make peace with you. It begins with the most beautiful, long-breathed, long-lined andante, just the purest, purest, most noble love music you can imagine. Sorrow, 
this aria, we hear some of Mozart's greatest and most pioneering writing for the clarinet, an instrument then only recently accepted into the classical orchestra. He composed the clarinet obbligato parts and, later in the opera, the basset horn parts, which is a larger member of the clarinet family, for his great friend Anton Stadler. The clarinet plays in Clemenza an incredibly important role in clothing the emotions of Sesto, adding to them, prompting them, and it's it's like an internal dialogue in the character. In 1791, Mozart was already working on one of his greatest works, Die Zauberflöte, or The Magic Flute. Julian Rushton is Emeritus Professor of Music at the University of Leeds and has written widely on Mozart. It was a very special kind of commission, so it had to be an Italian serious opera, whereas what Mozart had been working on, of course, was a quite serious but also quite comic German opera, Uh, the magic flute. There was a legend that he had 18 days to write this opera. It's probably not true. He had more like six weeks. There are 24 musical numbers in La Clemenza di Tito, and that's a good going, four pieces each week. But he seems to have had an assistant, probably Sussmeier, and Sussmeier was responsible for composing the simple recitative in which the action mostly unfolds. Mozart wrote all the material with orchestra, which is to say the overture, arias, ensembles and so forth. The real-life Emperor Titus ruled for two years between AD 79 and 81, and there are references in the opera to the eruption of Vesuvius in AD 79 and the devastation it caused to the town of Pompeii. Much of our knowledge of the Roman Emperor Titus comes from an account of his life by the Roman historian Suetonius. William Fitzgerald, professor of Latin literature and language at King's College London, says the opera draws on several moments from Suetonius's account of Titus. The reputation for clemency comes from a, a single act that's recorded in uh, Suetonius uh, and is the basis for the opera. And that is that two patricians are known to be conspiring against him and he pardons them. Uh, he Not only does he pardon them, but he actually sends off to the mother of, of, of one of these conspirators to reassure her that her son is okay. And the next day uh, at the uh, arena, at the Colosseum, where the final scene is set in Mozart's opera, he asks for the swords of the gladiators to be brought and invites 
the conspirators to test the swords. Now, that's a considerable act of trust uh, if you're handing swords to people who've conspired against you. As you might expect from a story about forgiveness, La Clemenza di Tito presents shining examples of pure kindness and truthfulness, embodied particularly in the characters of Sevilla, Sesto's sister, and her loving suitor, Agno. When Sevilla becomes the object of Tito's affections, she is bold enough to confess her love for Agno to the emperor. Struck by her honesty and the purity of their love, Tito feels unable to stand between them. Corey Ellison again. Agno and Servilia are sort of the moral compass, the moral center of this opera, even though their roles are more minor. They're calm and they're balanced and they're constantly reminding everybody of the importance of clemency and forgiveness and mercy. When Mozart wrote La Clemenza di Tito, he recycled a very well-known text. The libretto by Metastasio was 50 years old and had already been set by numerous composers. Metastasio's libretto was vastly cut, reshaped and fitted out with ensembles and choruses by the Italian librettist Caterino Mazzola, transforming it from an old-fashioned pure opera seria into what Mozart called una vera opera, a true opera. A libretto is an outline. It's stick figures in a way. It, it's um, like opening up a coloring book and seeing just the black and white lines. And uh, what any composer should do and what the greatest composers do, like Mozart, is to add the colors and the, the shadings. La Clemenza di Tito has a very different flavour from the magic flute or from the so-called Da Ponte trilogy of operas, Don Giovanni, Così Fan Tutti and Le Nozze di Figaro, with their rich orchestration and sparkling drama and wit. Instead of falling back on a crowd-pleasing, extravagant conclusion to Act One, he creates a slow-mo finale as Rome learns that Tito has been killed. Sesto has gone uh, under the orders of Vitalia, with whom he's in love, to carry out this murderous plot against his friend and emperor Tito. What he and his co-conspirators have done is to set fire to the capital in Rome. At this point, he, he believes that he's killed Tito. It, it turns out that actually he hasn't. It's that someone who they took to be Tito was killed. But the end of this act is so unusual. The Da Ponte operas end act one with a bang. <laughs> this one kind of uh, peters out into this utterly bleak, desolate 
ending, we really feel and empathize the plight of Sesto and the plight of the people of Rome. As Act Two begins, Rome is wrenched from sorrow by the revelation that Tito is still alive and Sesto is arrested for attempted murder. Vitalia is distraught, feeling responsibility for Sesto's impending death sentence. When Servilia finds her crying, she sings a beautiful aria, which is one of Robin Ticciati's favourite moments of the opera. Tears won't do anything now. They are not the answer. Um, she imparts such wisdom and such beauty with such simplicity. And for me, that is the type of characteristic that musically defines Clemenza. Sesto appeals for pity in his beautiful final aria, pleading with Tito to remember the friendship they once had. He tells Tito that his greatest sorrow is not death, but rather the thought that he betrayed his best friend. He is utterly loyal to Vitellia. He addresses Tito, saying, I cannot explain why I have committed this crime, uh, but can we, in a sense, part as friends? And this is his rondo aria, and I find it in a tremendously moving piece. The ensembles and choruses that Mazzola added to the Metastasio libretto greatly enhance the dramatic quality of the opera. But as Tito agonises over the decision between executing his would-be assassin and showing the clemency of a true leader, he pours out his conflict in accompanied recitative. Mm. 
some people feel that he's the least interesting because uh, his arias are rather in a more old-fashioned style. But if you look into his recitatives, his accompanied recitatives, there's a lot of anguish there and there's a lot of conflict. And that's, I think, where the character of Tito comes alive the most. With Servilia's words echoing in her ears, Vitalia resolves to confess her crimes to Tito and appeal to his mercy. Accepting her fate, she sings No More Fair Garlands of Flowers for Me in Non Più di Fiore, an aria that challenges the full range of technical and musical skill for a soprano. the second of Mozart's star turns in this opera for his friend Anton Stadler, this time playing a basset horn. Vitellia goes very low, matching almost the sonority of the basset horn obbligato. She goes down to G below the stave, the same note as the bottom string of the violin. This means that the total range of the part is two and a half octaves. Most unusual. And Mozart would not have written that if the soprano, whose name was Maria Machetti Fantozzi, couldn't cope. So clearly she was a fine singer. Apparently the emperor thought so too. Vitalia throws herself upon the mercy of the Emperor Tito. From the opera's title, it will come as little surprise that La Clemenza di Tito ends in this grand act of pardon for both Vitalia and Sesto. He has all sorts of emotions about it. He has anger um, and confusion and um, sadness. But finally, he he does come around to uh, the idea of pardoning everybody. And it's a scene that actually it's it's quite hard dramatically to carry off because it's this series of uh, pardons of 
people who've tried to do awful things to him. <laughs> but it is, of course, very serious, and it is a, a very enlightened demonstration of um, the power of, of mercy. The music you've been listening to in this podcast is from the Warner Classics recording of La Clemenza di Tito. Nicolaus Hanoncourt conducts the orchestra of the Zurich Opera House. Philip Langridge sings the role of Tito with Anne Murray as Sesto, Lucia Pop as Vitalia, Ruth Zizak as Servilia, and Dolores Ziegler as Anu. Thank you for listening to this Glyndebourne podcast with me, Katie Derham. We have a growing library of episodes that take a deep look at a single opera, exploring the music and magic of some of the greatest works ever composed. <laughs>